This is Wolves Weekly. With Mikey Burrows. Featuring the biggest names from past and present. All the teams, all the talking points. Hello there, I'm Mikey Burrows. Welcome to another episode of Wolves Weekly. I'm joined this week by the former Wolves pair Dave Edwards and Claire Hakeman. We'll discuss Raul Jimenez's legacy and Matt Doherty's return, the pre-season win over Porto, including hearing from Mateus Cunha, and we'll be joined by the Head of Football Operations at Wolves Academy, Luke Joyce, on the logistical challenges of taking young players around the world. But first, here's Dave Edwards on Raul Jimenez. Yeah, I think everyone knew it was on the cards. But still, when it does happen, it is sad. It's almost like the end of that iconic group, which really um, was so successful, the most successful Wolves team in in my lifetime. Anyway, when you look at now Raul's gone, Connor Cody's gone, Ruben Neves, Jay Martino, it's it's um, yeah, it's not nice. And what he did as well, he was he was so good for the football club. Those first initial years, he was there. He, he took the team to a completely new level, um, playing up front on his own, but doing the work of two or three players and then matching that with goals and assists. And and then the fans really took to him straight away. And then obviously that unfortunate injury and everyone was just desperate for him to be first and foremost as healthy as possible. And then they were desperate for him to recapture that form which we had seen in those initial seasons. Unfortunately, he never quite got back to that level Um but I don't think it's he never will do. I think maybe a fresh challenge for him probably is the right thing to do. But he leaves Wolves with the fans, or gives the fans so many memories now to look back on what was him being an absolute elite striker in the Premier League. Yeah, Claire, I, I posted on social media that um, sometimes players kind of become greater than than we or they could ever dream of in terms of their contributions to the club and whether that's in longevity uh, and pure service as as Edo would or um, in terms of, as Edo mentioned, becoming an icon. And whilst there were great players in the teams of the last couple of years, he was that kind of one because he was putting the ball in the back of the net, the kind of at the forefront of it, really. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, it's a bit of an end of an era of that group. And um, I mean, he came to us, didn't he, from Benfica, where you looked at his stats and he did a lot off the bench. You weren't sure he would have the impact that he actually managed to have. So it's incredible. Credit to him, really, on on how he made the Wolves journey for him, like one of the biggest moments of probably his career. And I think for me, it was... I think it was the fact that he was just such an all-round striker. He wasn't like a classic. He wasn't out and out. He scored a, a real range of mixture of goals, like head, left foot, right foot. But I think it was the volume of how much he linked, he linked the play so well, you know, brought others into the game uh, brilliantly. Watching back on some of the goals uh, that he scored for us over the times, the combinations between him and Traore was just, in, you know, fantastic. And uh, as well, linking up with Diego Jota in, in that period where we were just on fire and took us to Europe. So, um, yeah, what a, what a player and, you know, a pleasure to watch from a fan's perspective. And um, we wish him luck. I don't think we anticipated he'd probably be going somewhere else in the Premier League. I think it poss- possibly was anticipated he might go somewhere else. But, um yeah, we wish him all the luck in the future and, you know, thank you for his contributions for us. It's funny, isn't it, how um, certain moments can kind of stay in your mind. And uh, for me, Edo, 
It's the win away at Tottenham just before kind of football stopped ahead of COVID, which feels like a lifetime ago now. Actually wasn't that long ago, but we were what, um, you know, on our way towards the the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Um, a winning away, we were pushing on possibly for Champions League in that season. It kind of gets forgotten about. We were in amazing form. It was an amazing game. And the moment when he turns back in field and scores and, and runs away towards the away end is just such a perfect moment um, that I, I won't ever, ever forget. And it, I say it, it feels like a long time ago now. Yeah, it does. And he's lucky to have those moments, big goals and big games. And I think the best thing, like I said, the fans just really took to him straight away and the iconic song as well, which you would hear reverberate around Molyneux sort of game after game sort of every 10 or 15 minutes it would go out there um, and that helped I think to his status as well but yeah those big moments the was it the header against Man United as well at Molyneux in the side from the South Bank um, it's got I'm trying, I was just trying to think the who they played away in Europe um, where he kind of picked the ball up late on did they win 4-2 four, four, was it at Torino where he made Torino, that's it and he kind of made that long windy run and finished it. Some he's had some unbelievable moments in a wolf shirt, and I just hope fans will always remember him for those moments, and not so much what's happened in the last season or so, where he's been more of a bit part player and sort of really struggled to find the best of himself. And we all hope he can go and find that. There's not many players that will leave a football club and go to another Premier League club that you want to do well and I think Raul Jimenez fits into that bill I really do I think the fans will love to see him go and score 10-15 goals next season and recapture that form and obviously be sad it's not in a wolf shirt but we feel like what he's been through the last few years he kind of deserves to come out the other side of it um, hitting those same sort of heights that he did hit in a wolf shirt and Claire what was your before we move on what was your favourite Raul moment really I mean you could have had the Sincara mask at Wembley um, you know, I, I almost forgot about that until I watched the the montage that we put out on social media. Um, that, as Ellen mentions, there's an awful lot to try and pick from. Yeah, there is. There was, you know, even watching some of that back, the goosebumps is like absolutely on fire, and the commentary from yourself that you're picking up, the Mexican sensation, you know, kept coming. It was just um, there's so many moments that you just think of that era. We were flying at one point, and it was, you know, some of the best times I've I've seen as a Wolves fan, but. Um, for me, I think linked with the atmosphere was the Man United quarterfinal goal at Molyneux. And I think that night, the, the atmosphere was absolutely on fire. It was a little swivel from him. It was a bit scrappy, wasn't it? And then little swivel and he managed to get past David De Gea, I thought. But, you know, the Spurs goal that you've mentioned as well, that little cut inside on his left and slot it in. It was, you know, he was just an all-round player, wasn't he? And there's so many moments that you could pick out. But for me, I think it was the fact that he wasn't just about goals and the amount of assists and, you know, quality assists that he put in as well for other people to to get other people goals, like Traore double at Man City. So, you know, there's um, so much to go from, but it gives you, you know, gives you an overview of what a player he actually was because he wasn't just about the goals. He wasn't just your classic striker that we can only talk about one part of his game. He had, he had so much. And um, I think this season... For me, obviously, we, we he did fade away a little bit. He wasn't involved as much. But that Spurs game that we were at at Molyneux this season, that his work ethic and rate, he didn't get a goal, but his work ethic was just outstanding that day. And that was yeah. just kind of something I'd pinpoint for this season where he didn't score, but 
God, he, he looked like he was putting everything into that game and, you know, everything for the shirt. And I think that's what he was all about. Well, it's an odd summer in that um, it feels like a lot of legends have departed. Raul Jimenez, Ruben Neves, Jean Martino, Adama Traore, Connor Cody, which hasn't really been mentioned because obviously he'd kind of gone for a year. And yet, Dave Edwards, uh, a legend has returned. Um, and he often doesn't get talked about enough, in my view, in that kind of realm because... Matt Doherty, for a decade, was an unbelievable servant to the football club and and now he's walked back in the door. Yeah, I, I was so delighted to to see this happen. I think it's um, it's a really good sign of Wolves. There's a lot of upside to the signing. I think the age he's coming back to the football club, 31 years old. When I, when I look back on my career, 31, I felt was when I was at my absolute best. I think physically you're still at a really good level, but sort of intelligence and experience. I think you've ex- you've gone through a lot of things and that makes you a better footballer. So I think he's at a really good age. Um, and then we had a lot of problems in those fullback areas last year at times through injuries and suspensions and form as well. And although people may be thinking he's coming just to maybe back up Nelson Semedo, I'm pretty sure Doc will be eyeing up one of those fullback positions as his own once he gets his foot in. Um, and he... he he was absolutely unbelievable for Wolves, in particular those last two or three years and say when they were doing so well, playing those wing-back roles under Nuno, he was sensational. And his unpredictability is something which I really think that, that Wolves have missed. Like As a player, he was frustrating because you never knew where he was going to end up. He was supposed to be playing left-back and he's next to me in the number 10 position. And you're like, Doc, what are you doing here? But then he would get on the end of something and he a nightmare for the opposition to pick up. He There's not many fullbacks who will kind of run on the inside like he does. And he was, I felt the one person who really suffered when Doc left was Adama Traore because I think what Doc did on that right-hand side and if Adama played that wide right, Doc would make that run from out to in into the heart of the pitch and the fullback or the winger or wherever it was would have to follow Doc. And then that would just give Adama Chori enough time then out wide to pick up the ball and get running at people. Um, and I think those two dovetailed really well. And I think Adama wasn't quite the same without Doc. I think he really helped his performances. Um, but then what what he can bring this Julian Lopetegui team is, we all know he's defensively very good. 1v1, he's very underrated. Not many people will beat Doc when they're trying to get at him and get around him. Um, he's very good, but then going forwards, he's always going to get goals and assists in the season. He he will do that's his nature, and so we haven't been blessed with that in recent seasons. So a lot of fans, like I said, might be thinking he's coming to be more of a squad player. But 31 years old, I think he's genuinely in his prime. I think he's back at a place which he <clears throat> which he understands and he loves, and I just hope that can bring out the best in him and he can get himself in that starting eleven. I'm sure once he's in that starting eleven then he'll stay there with his performances. I was going to ask you about the character element to having him in the dressing room as well. When big characters have left, um, you look at someone like Doc and um, he, I always remember he just hates losing, right? He's just (laughs) terrible loser, like in, in a way that he would not hold back in saying certain things. He would not hold back to let everyone know that, it wasn't acceptable to lose games and to have that kind of guy in and around there is a good thing in a lot of respects, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You look at the players that they have lost this summer in, in Connor Cody and Ruben Neves and then off the back of that last season with, with John Ruddy and losing Doc before that, 
you feel like there is a lack of real leaders. I know Doc isn't British, but I kind of classing him in that sort of someone who's played in the English leagues for a long time. Um, and I know it's an area, I'm speaking with people at the football club, that they know they needed to improve this year. They needed more British players at the core of the group. They needed more leaders in the dressing room. And again, Doc fits that bell. He's He'd be great around the place, his camaraderie, um, the way he gets on with everyone, the way that people look up to him and want to be around him. He's got quite an infectious personality, um, absolutely loves his sport. He sits there with his iPhone right in front of his face all day, every day, watching the most absurd sports you would ever think of. He's just an absolute sports nut, um, whether it's cricket, golf, his Irish sports, everything. Um but yet, overall, but to have the character back in the dressing room, I think with the players that's left, I think as, as much as what he does on the football pitch, what he does away from the football pitch will be so important to how this Wolves team progress because, as I said, you lost a lot of players. Um, it it could be a difficult season based on last year, what happened. And I know Jean Lopetegui's had a bit more time now to work with his team, but I think everyone's expecting a few more incomings, a lot of outgoings, but the doc signing certainly makes sense and I really do think Wolves will get the best out of him and I think he'll get the best out of his teammates as well yeah um, the advice to Claire if you see him around the training ground don't ask him about Tiger Woods because you'll be there like literally yeah. for days um, <laughs> he follows all the Tiger Woods stuff on Twitter <laughs> Tiger's shot trackers Tiger's fan club everything <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I did spot him. Uh, I think Dawson will be really pleased. I think Dawson and Kilman and Doc were uh, on a table when I popped into the training ground earlier in the week. So um, I think he'll just offer so much, like Dave said, on and off the field. And I think for me, Samedo had a brilliant second half of the season. Actually, I think he came good. He had a bit of a wobble at the start of the season, but he came good. But one thing he didn't do so much of, which is what we need, is fullbacks to contribute in, you know, whether it's the odd goal, but assists as well. And I think that's something else that Doc can bring to the table. And I think he'll he'll push Samedo for that position. And you need competition and strength in depth in all positions. So I think he'll be, you know, it's great to have him back. And, you know, he feels a bit, you know, he's a homegrown lad for us and he's one to have back in, in, the, in the squad. So... Um, looking forward to to what he brings to the table. So preseason is very much up and running. The latest game, the first official match of preseason in front of supporters, nonetheless, was a one nil win over Porto thanks to a strike from Pedro Neto. In a moment, we'll hear a little bit from Mateus Cunha. But Wolves TV's Gemma Frith has been travelling with the team, and she sent us this voice note after the game. Hi, it's Gemma. Um, I've just got back to the hotel in Portugal after our match against Porto this evening. Um, it's about 10 to midnight. It's very late. Um, we got back probably at about uh, 10, half 10. Then we went straight to dinner for a post-match meal. Um, and yeah, just, just finishing up for the day. But it was a really good match. It was great to have our first friendly that wasn't behind closed doors. Great to get a goal as well. Great to see Pedro Neto on the score sheet. Um, it was good to have our first friendly from our time out here in Portugal. Portugal the second time around our second trip to Portugal this summer and we've of course got one more friendly still to come we'll be in Dublin on Saturday but until then plenty more hard work is going to be on the cards for the players more training sessions in preparation for that to get them ready for the next new season which is only just over three weeks away now it's going to come around really really quickly but after the game I did manage to catch up with Mateus Cunha on how he found today's match but also how he's found the training camp so far chatted a little bit about his summer and that's going to be across social media but Here's a little taster for you now. We know we need to 
work a little bit more, sure, it's normal, we are in the pre-season, but go with this win is like a very good fast. As you said, Porto, of course, a, a tough side, a difficult side to, to face. Has this been the biggest test so far of pre-season? Yeah, sure, sure. I think uh, the other teams also is like very good. We have like uh, difficult games, but uh, versus Porto, you know, it's like uh, have a little bit more name, a little bit more, I think, investment also. But uh, far as important is like uh, put the head inside know what you need to do and uh, after this 1-0 we need to keep this in the whole season <laughs> we never game and so <laughs> go happy <laughs> definitely well you've sent the fans home happy today we had lots of Wolves fans here today who travelled from all over is it great to have their support here in Portugal as well very far from home sure 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 it's very good we see the people here and so then we play with like the support always help, help us a lot and uh, after this win also like it's for the fans and uh, it's, it's very good for us. So on last week's Wolves Weekly, we were hearing from academy coach Darren Ryan on the joint trip between the under-21s, the under-18s and the under-16s on pre-season to Bratislava. It comes at the end of a summer where the under-21s travelled to Mumbai in India and also there was the 7v7 TST tournament in America to take part in. The man responsible for organising all of that is the Academy's Head of Football Operations, Luke Joyce. Here he is on the daunting task of taking Wolves around the world. Bratislava was no mean feat. It was, we had three countries in seven days, so we, we flew into Vienna. We spent time in Austria, based in Bratislava, but we played fixtures in Hungary. So it was, it was three countries in seven days. So it was a great experience for, for the players and staff to, to do as much as they did in, in the space of a week. But... Yeah, for the for the for the period, it was certainly that them two months were were a whirlwind. It was for me, it was three continents in two months. I wasn't very popular at home at that point, which just with, with not being able to do the washing up and stuff like that. But what an unbelievable experience for everyone involved. I mean, the Mumbai event, I think that came about in around about March, April time, and it was a Premier League tournament, and that they're looking to to sort of embed themselves over in India, and they wanted to promote the Premier League over in India, so. I went over on a recce with the pre, uh, the Premier League team and it was around about April and we had to pull that together really quickly um, based on the fact it was the end of the season as well. I had to get approval from the powers that be that we could do it because obviously uh, the first team was still was still in the league at that point so we, we needed to make sure that they had enough support uh, from the younger age groups if they needed to pull players from the, the, the younger ones. But um, what an incredible place India was. We got to go to Dharavi, which I think was the biggest slum in the world which was very eye-opening for not only the players, but the staff as well. It was sort of put everything into perspective. Uh, we got to play against Indian opposition, uh, uh, English opposition in Everton um, as well. And then um, the final was played against Stellenbosch from South Africa. And it went to fight, went to, the final went to penalties. Um, but, you know, there's there's no better feeling of, of a squad winning uh, an international tournament uh, on penalties. And it was a fantastic way to round off the season. Just give us an idea of the process that you have to go through, because I guess, you know, it's not as easy as, as going on TripAdvisor and, and picking yeah. a hotel or, you know, finding a bus company, whatever. There's a, there's a lot that goes into this. The hardest part for me is always trying to get the squad. Like, what is the squad going to be? Who's the staff going to be travelling? And as you can imagine, you know, a week's a very long time in football and a lot can change, um, you know, circumstances around 
the first team and the academy teams. Injuries always plays a part as well. Visas, you've got to think about that as well. You know, we, we, we get players that, you know, it might be a bit more difficult to pull together a visa at the last minute for them to travel to a certain country. So especially when the, with the tournament uh, tournaments such as India, where, where it's organised quite late in the day. With the Premier League, they, they were very supportive that they put together uh, most of the logistics for, for the India trip. And then we sort of managed things over there. And, and it was very much when you're out there, you know, you, you the schedules change and you adapt and you want to, you want to, you know, you see uh, three points in the schedule. And we were fortunate enough to go to an IPL game. Um, so we went to see Mumbai Indians, which was it was an unbelievable experience. Just, I managed to source tickets when we were out there. It was a very eye-opening experience to see India and a lot of the players just haven't witnessed that type of environment before, but also for them to play in that type of environment where the humidity is high and, you know, they're, they're, they're travelling the games and maybe not the same standard of coach or travel that they used to as well. So it definitely grounds everyone when, when you go to a country like India and you participate in a tournament like that. But yeah, lots of moving pieces, Mikey. Um, it's it's never easy trying to pull it together. But I think um, I think overall that the, it's been a very successful summer. Um, I think we would have liked to have done better in TST. But as as Darren alluded to on the on the podcast last week, you know I think we'll be better prepared come next year. So if the Premier League helps you out with with Mumbai, and you know you kind of know a little bit more about the TST tournament. How do you even put, go about finding a place that can handle three squads effectively and all the associated backup staff that comes with it and manage to get them all out there and have them playing in different places? So the conversations around pre-season started earlier in the season and the key, the key remit I had from the academy managers was that we wanted to try and get all three age groups in, in one location so that if we wanted to move players between squads, we could, but also so that we could go into the season by laying out the club values, laying out the objectives for the season and and streamlining the approach so that every squad is, is working towards the same thing, essentially. Trying to find somewhere in Europe that can house such a, a, a big group. I mean, we're talking between staff and players very close to 100 was difficult. So my previous experience prior to joining Wolves was in, in sport and travel. So I worked across major events such as Formula One and rugby. Um, I worked on World Cups and, and, and European Championships as well. So despite that, this was this felt like a bit of a bigger challenge because you've not just got to find an accommodation that's big enough. You've got to find a facility that's close enough to be able to house everyone at the same time. So the facility in Bratislava, was, was, it's called X-Bionic Sphere. I, um, I'd come across it some years ago when, in, in my previous role. I'd sent Eaton College there. They had a glowing recommendation for this, this, this new facility that just opened. I think it was back in 2018, 2019 it opened. And it had everything on site. It had everything you needed. It had swimming pool. It had uh, two training pitches, um, a match pitch. Unbelievable gym over the space of four floors. It had an indoor cinema, a bowling alley. And and when you go on these types of trips, you have to think that actually the, the players are generally sometimes only training for two hours a day. You've got a lot of spare time to fill. And, and that's always the challenge is keeping young boys and teenagers um, engaged. And um, you, the worst thing you can do on these types of trips is let them get bored. So we needed to get a venue that had something where we could just we could just be able to fill the time quite well. And we got a glowing recommendation from England under-19s who had, had played and trained there. 
uh, last summer, and and that was that was the deal for me when they said that it was a great facility that we sort of locked it in. The next position was the flight. How do we get close to hundred people on 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 one flight? The tour company were amazing. Um, so we worked with a, a company called GB Sports. Um, they were fantastic. They were able to put everyone on an, an Austrian Airlines flight, and um, and we managed to do it. But I'm not going to lie that the, the most stressful part for me is always the week leading up to to departure because naturally there's moving pieces around injuries, uh, player registrations, players players potentially going out and loan. So the squad we had at the beginning of June for Bratislava was very very different to the squad that travelled in in July. We were still making name changes and adding people on up until a day before, had to make a special mention to, to the kit men. When you're taking that amount of kit, you've got to declare it all as well. So in the weeks leading up to it, we're, we're, we're sitting down, we're, we're, we're ticking every little item off. Every little last sock uh, has to be declared to customs. So we have to do that in advance so that they don't get stopped when they're going through the, the Euro tunnel. So Steve Hooper and I have been cash set off on the Sunday, knowing that we were arriving on the Wednesday. So they, they travelled through France, Belgium, Germany, Austria, and then finally um, landed in Bratislava on the Tuesday in a, a van that wasn't air conditioned, Mikey. So um, the guys, the guys had a really tough slog in, in that van. We nicknamed them Max and Paddy. So I had a little WhatsApp group um, called Max and Paddy's Road to Norway, um, and we were we were constantly checking in on each other just to make sure that they were they were getting through uh, getting through Europe okay. Because what I, I think people might not realise, or maybe some people will, that. Um, Obviously, you've got so about 100 people. It's not just like one item, you know, one T-shirt each, is it? Like, they, they need stuff to last them. And you can wash stuff when you're out there, but you need a good couple of days' worth of stuff for everybody. Yes, we needed training kits, match kits across three squads, and then kits for, for staff. But then all the additional medical, sports science equipment, the facility weren't able to accommodate all of our equipment, so we had to take mini goals out as well. So we had mini goals in the back of the van. We had laptops because we had to deliver education out there as well. Analysis had um, cameras and uh, video cameras. It was uh, the whole van was loaded with pretty much everything you can think of. Um, in addition to kit as well, even just packing the van takes about a week. It was certainly a bit certainly stressful for, for Steve Hooper and Ivan Cash. So credit to them. So two final questions, Luke. I guess kind of the first one is, <laughs> are you going to do it again? I guess what it what it shows about where Wolves has come from in the time that you've been at the club and the fact that we are now able to to put on these kind of these trips and and sort the logistics ourselves and that says about the stature of Wolverhampton Wanderers now. Yeah, I think I think we're very lucky. Um, we get a lot of invites as well to tournaments. Um, you know that we've got such a good relationship with the Premier League. So you know, coming out of COVID was a bit of new territory for everyone to, in terms of travel, you know, um, and also actually coming out of Brexit as well. You know, there was, there was obviously new laws around sort of travelling across Europe and, and, and visas and, and expiry dates on passport and, and passports, whatnot. Last year was sort of the first year we delved back in uh, proper travel and we were fortunate enough to take our under-14s out to Dubai to be part of the MENA Cup, which is a fantastic tournament out there. It's a tournament that we'd like to participate in again, hopefully. We then got invited, the Premier League invited the under-21s out to the MLS Next Pro in Salt Lake City in July, This pretty much this period last year. That was an unbelievable experience where we got to play Chelsea, uh, Salt Lake City and, and Toronto. We, we used Real Salt Lake's training facilities, which was unbelievable, a, a fantastic experience for everyone involved. And again, that sort of set the tone 
for the under-21s going into that season. But the Premier League were really happy with how we conducted ourselves out there. And that's sort of how the India India opportunity presented itself with the Premier League. So they fortunately like to work with us with, with international tournaments. So hopefully the invites keep coming. But I'm a big advocate for the players going out on these trips. I think they learn so much, not only in football terms, but, you know, just from a, a cultural perspective, from an educational perspective as well. And, um, you know, I, I always call them essential life experiences. I think travel is such an important part of football. You see it, you know, you know, you see the, the teams in the Premier League that are travelling across Europe for the Champions League games, Europa League games and international tournaments such as the World Cup and European Championships. And it's important that they experience that at this age because, the, you know, they've got to manage, they've got to manage how they prepare for games out in foreign countries and different cultures and they need to adapt to different environments. Unfortunately, a lot of these players, they might not make it and that's sad, but that's the reality of football. But at least they can look back on on this period of their life and look at, look at the things they've done. And actually, like, a lot of kids at these age don't get to experience some of the experiences they have. We took the under-21s, Whitewater Afton last week. Whitewater Afton in somewhere like Bratislava, when you when you're ever going to do that? When are you going to visit a slum in, in, in India? I think these trips are important and, and long may they continue. Let's talk pre-season. The first official friendly took place this week. A 1-0 win over Porto in the Algarve, um, an area of the world uh, very well known to Claire Hakeman, who likes to... <laughs> Uh, you know she's she's richer than us, Dave. So um, she's got the uh, got the yeah, holiday yeah, homes out there. Um, but from what I'm told, uh, it's been pretty warm, um, and uh, they've been working hard. And you can kind of see a little bit of that in evidence in the game. Actually, as Wolves started really kind of strongly, the press <laughs> even in the first minute was fully in there. Claire, um, it was competitive as a game I thought I thought Porto took it pretty seriously playing a lot of players for the entirety and that was a good that was a good pre-season game yeah I, th- I think it was a little bit feisty at points wasn't it but I think it was you know really competitive friendly and you know what it was good to watch actually in terms of sometimes you watch a game and it, you know they go through the motions it's a little bit flat but they felt like a little bit more of an edge to this I don't know whether it was like a couple of players maybe a couple of our Portuguese lads that really wanted to take the game to Porto and and whatever, but I thought we were good. We were impressive. I think uh, there were some really good moments in there, some good displays. I thought Nunes did some, you know, some great work in midfield. Nice touches on the ball, which is what you expect from him. He's very tidy. Good to see Joe Hodge get a good, good spell of minutes to get into the game as well. Um, but I think the goal goal was fantastic, and hopefully it's a sign of things to come in terms of the fact that Neto looked as sharp as I've seen. Obviously, he's had his a little bit of an extended preseason with the the Portugal squad as well. So, um, but the goal was fantastic, wasn't it? So, poor Neto nicked the ball, won it back. Really good tenacity to 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 nick the ball back. Um, Sarabia, good feet from him. Another big seasoning coming for him. Hopefully, he didn't really hit the ground running last year. Uh, and then Nunes back across the box and into into Neto. It was a, you know, it was a really good all round team goal. I think defensively we looked a little wobbly at times, but I think that's what you expect to see in a pre-season friendly. I think Dawson looked a little bit rusty in points, but I think you know it's tough. And like you say, Porto were really competitive and. Uh, they they didn't uh, it didn't strike me as a, a friendly kind of game as such but actually it was a really good workout for the boys in probably very hot conditions uh, so I'm sure they'll get a lot from that game. Dave, what would you rather have in pre-season? I guess kind of you know a, a, an opportunity just to kind of get out, stretch the legs, comfortable win against lesser opposition, or or a game that actually felt like a, a proper match 
against a Porto side, you know, who had Pepe at 40 years old, by the way, just point that out for you, Dave, he's still going at 40, I don't know why you <laughs> decided you can't keep going. Um, more uh, the clock than Pepe. <laughs> um, Otavio and, uh, you know, Taremi up top, like, that was a strong Porto side who who really kind of went at it. Um, and, you know, that that's is that good? Or would you have rather add a kind of a more of an easier workout? Yeah, it's, it's definitely good as long as you don't get beat or well beat. It's, it's not nice in pre-season games of player when you're playing a really sort of tough opposition and they will keep the ball and it's a lot of work. But it's what you need and you need teams which are going to mimic what Premier League teams do as well. Because if you go and play a lot of teams and roll them over threes and fours, then you don't get the, the benefit of that. So as a player... As much as you want to win every game comfortably, having a tough game like that is is definitely going to help. And having an edge to it, like Claire said as well, that will help as well. Because a lot of the time you have these preseason games and they do turn into a little bit of a you have it, we have it. And there hasn't got that intensity. People are looking after their bodies a little bit. They don't want to get injured. Um, and then it's an absolute massive shock when you get to first game of the season and the tempo is through the roof. So Wolf setting that tempo early on and having a competitive game, it will, as I said, it will do them the world of good. And then they've obviously got another big game on Saturday and then you're not far away then from the from the start of the season, a few more game, pre-season games just to, to fine-tune stuff. Um, but to get a game of that quality in a good, was it three, two and a half, three weeks out, at the start of the season is, um, yeah, there'll be loads of advantages of that. Um, you're with me for the Celtic game um, in the Aviva in Dublin. There's going to be a lot of Celtic fans there. Yeah. Um, I think there still will be a good wall support, but obviously massively outnumbered, as they would expect to be. Um, but again, that kind of adds an element to it, doesn't it, where the, there's an extra competitive nature to it because there's a big crowd in there. Yeah, again, it will go and mimic Premier League games. It'll be like going to an away game. It'll be hostile. I say most of the fans we want in Celtic to do well. And it'll be a tough game as well. You see how well they did last year, Celtic, with Ange Postoglu. And they're going to try and build on that. And they'll have a point to prove against Premier League teams as well. So it'll be a tough, tough game. And off the back of the Porto game as well, um, it really would have been a good week for Wolves if they can get some good quality into that. Um, obviously, There'll be some changes made, you'd have thought. And with the travelling, um, it is quite a quick turnaround. But I think in the in the long, or these two, as I said, these two games quite early on in pre-season, really, you'd usually expect these fixtures to be your final game. But to have these before that, I think um, Wolves have done the best they can to prepare themselves as well as they possibly can come the first game of the season against Manchester United, which is going to be obviously a very tough game. And, and these games are mimicking them as, as best as possible. Yeah, Claire, there's there's probably a couple of players. Um, Xiao Gomez, I would imagine, would get um, a few more minutes. Uh, I thought Joe Hodge did really well against Porto, um, but you think Xiao Gomez will probably play a little bit more. And also Fabio Silva, who obviously joined up to the group a bit later because of his exploits with Portugal's under-21s. And it's a big opportunity for him now. Um, Sasha Kalajic is still making his way back from injury. So there's your chance, Fabio. Go and take it. Yeah, definitely. I think when obviously he came on yesterday, he came on with two of the younger lads, didn't need to play in a front three, he came on with Owen Farmer and Nathan Fraser. But um, I think I'd love to see Fabio Silva in that combination, maybe with Neto and Cunha and see how that, that combination works. So I think they'll be testing out combinations and seeing what they what they want to go with. I mean, we've got a slight advantage in the fact that we've got slightly longer t- till our first game because we're not till Monday, are we, t- against Manchester United. But 
I think the fact that our first two games were against Manchester United and Brighton, I think Brighton were incredible last season, like the way that they play football. <laughs> Obviously, well, you know, we were both at the Brighton game and that wasn't one that we'd like to remember from last season. So I think we, you know, we have to have solutions for that and we have to be hitting the ground running. So I think these very competitive friendlies are, are really key. And I think Fabio Silva, I think, has got every chance of getting a moment this season and seeing if he takes it will, will be key. And you kind of really hope that somebody, we need people like that to come off, don't we? We, you know, we look at the squad that we've got and we need it. We need a couple of names to step up to the plate. We've lost some big names in the summer, you know, Giamantino, Neves. We, we need somebody, people to now grab this shirt and, and, and take this squad and, and really drive it on. I expect um, Doc to get a few more minutes maybe on on that game as well and, and see if we can really get him some minutes to get him firing. We want everyone to be in the best position we can against Manchester United because we, we, what we don't want to do is have a couple of games start, tough start and, and take no points from it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wolves Weekly. Don't forget the very latest from the club is available at wolves.co.uk and as ever across our social media channels.